Hey everyone, this is Dave Cruz from Flyber Labs, a podcast on business and innovation in the Midwest and beyond. Here you'll meet fascinating people and learn about new technologies and practices that will change how you look at life and business. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Flyover Labs, and today we get to have Percy Stocker with us. And Percy is the COO at Ubermax, which develops augmented reality solutions for industrial settings. And this includes, uh, for example, for warehouses, they've developed what's called XPIC, which helps workers pick items from bins. And uh, Percy will do a much better job explaining exactly what they do. And they have integrated with a, a number of augmented reality glasses, and they're, they're trying to tackle some very tough problems. So I brought on Percy to learn more about the state of the art for augmented reality and wearables and uh, where it's going, especially in the industrial setting. So, uh, Percy, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me here. I'm excited. Definitely. And, uh, yeah, so I guess before we get into what you're doing... And there's some, you have a lot of exciting stuff going on. Let's. Can you tell us a little bit about your background first? Sure. Um, I'm actually, I studied computer science uh, at the Technical University of Munich. So I have a very technical background uh, in, in the technological field. And uh, after my studies, I decided to, to not right away and take up a technical job, but to rather move into strategy consulting because I was feeling I... I wanted to extend my knowledge on, on the business field before I dive into things. And that um, helped me a lot when we decided to set up the company UbiMax, uh, which is dealing with uh, wearable computing for industrial purposes. And I, I can dive into that uh, in just a second. But uh, by having both the computer science and the business background, that helps us to, to take a look at problems from various angles, really not only being enthusiastic about uh, technology, but actually thinking about the business use for the companies. And uh, that's what always has been very much in, in, in my focus area. And uh, in, in my private life, I like to travel a lot, uh, want to see the world, and uh, that's a few things about myself. Uh, what's one of the favorite places you've traveled to? Oh, there's so many favorite places. Recently, I've been traveling a lot to the South African region. Uh, I love that. That's a great area. But I've also lived for a year in Singapore. Uh, so I've seen much of Southeast Asia. Great region as well. No complain. And um, going forward, I will spend a lot of time in the U.S. I've also lived for a year in the U.S. Um, and I enjoyed that very much. And so I'm looking forward to, to spend some more time here going forward. Oh, great. And, and, I, and I was curious, what type of uh, projects do you work on when you're a consultant? I, I was working on a broad spectrum of projects. I was working for the company Arthur De Little. They do strategy consulting. And I was in the information management practice. So most of the projects that I did had a strong technology focus. Uh, but they were really across all kinds of different industries. So I was working in finance, utilities, automotive, software, uh, for train manufacturers. Uh, so so it was, was a quite big spectrum in terms of the industries and also in terms of the topics. We would do IT strategy projects for these companies, which can be very comprehensive, or just um, some parts of IT strategies like uh, organizational topics. How do I have to design my IT organization, uh, what kind of architecture are we going to use, uh, how do we select the correct vendor for that, 
how do we adjust our sales processes and, and sales um, systems for now dealing with uh, a lot of hardware integrated in, into trains, for example, uh, that may become obsolete over time. How do we need uh, some different pricing models for that? So it was very, very different projects that I did, and which gave me some broad insights into things. That is a great experience. And uh, so can you tell us a little bit about the Ubermax and just how it got uh, started and and were you over there at the beginning? I, I wasn't sure. When did you join and how did that kind of all happen? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm one of the co-founders. Uh, so we were three, three co-founders, um, Dr. Hendrik Witt, Jan Juncker, and myself. And we, we founded UBMAX because we felt that the environment that we live in is uh, changing. So the environment that we live in it gets more and more connected in the in the factory floors that we see the machines get connected the products that we manufacture get connected and the the cars that we sit in get connected and so we were feeling that we need some new possibilities as humans to integrate ourselves into this what they call the internet of things or industry for as it's called in germany and we we feel that not so many companies have yet thought about that, even though if we think about our children, grandchildren, they may not even learn how to drive anymore because they will just be sitting in self-driving cars or they may not even learn how to handwrite anymore because they will be typing into iPad type of product. So we, we would be looking at totally different ways of engaging with that technology going forward. And what we are likely to see in our private life, uh, maybe five to 10 years down the road, really, uh, it's already starting in the industry today. As industry workers, they, they have the same challenges. They are now confronted with having all the information online, having to access that um, at any given point in time to really conduct their work. So if they're in a warehouse environment, they will need to have the information on what they need to pick. And they will need to have that at that very uh, point in time as they are moving through the warehouse. So this information has to be accessible to them. But at the same time, they will need the hands free to actually perform their tasks. So if you can display this kind of information on a smart glass, which is offering a display right next to your eye, uh, you can have the information readily available as you need it. And this is a totally new way of inter interacting with that environment. So that that was kind of the, the reason why we, we set out to, to do the company UBMAX and to um, bring these, these products to the market. And what, what year did you start and how much money have you uh, raised? Um, we, we started roughly three years ago. Okay. And from the beginning, we were driving a company with uh, out of the cash flow. So, so we we were profitable on the whole time, or still are profitable. And only last year, we decided to bring some some great investors on board: Atlantic Bridge and Westcott uh, investors that we have, and they uh, invested roughly six million US dollars in the company. And this this is what we have. For, for to finance our growth in companies in countries like the U.S. and uh, to to do some 
sort of special topics, but uh, we were profitable to, to start out with. Really? So did you have essentially, yeah, how did you make that happen? Did you have a client right from the, you must have had a client right from the get-go who uh, was interested in your idea? Yeah, we started out in technology consulting. Okay. It's, it's not so surprising as, as we, all of the founders have a very similar background as I do. And this allowed us to uh, finance the development out of the cash flow, really, because we were doing consulting in the IoT space, Internet of Things space, and other technology-relevant uh, projects for, for customers. And that's how it started out. That's great. And so how, you know, when you started the consulting, did you have, you know, did you want to eventually create a product or did it just kind of happen or how, how do you... Uh, transform more into a product company? Oh, it was intentional. It was 100% intentional. Okay. <laughs> it was what, what we as the founders always were striving for. And we were uh, looking for the right opportunity on, on what to do. And we found that with wearable computing. As we were seeing a lot of requests from our customers in that space, we decided we are not only going to consult them on that, but we would rather have our own products to make these things happen quickly. Interesting. And what was the what was one of your first projects around the um, you know augmented reality? You know, beyond the consulting, what was and if you can tell, you know, who was the the client? If you can share that, um, yeah, what was the project? One one of the first clients that we had was uh, Daimler. So we did some work uh, in the logistics field for them. They obviously the car manufacturers they need to get the the parts to the manufacturing belt. So they need to pick the right parts in sequence to get get to the manufacturing line. And this is what we helped them with. And that was one of our first customers. And then DHL was one of the big ones that we, we got afterwards uh, interested in, in these topics. DHL is doing a lot of great work. They, it's a very innovative company. They do a lot of early work. And then when they see it's successful, they, they really drive it into the market. And this is what, what happened with our XPIC product as well. They started out in a warehouse in the Netherlands already maybe two years ago. And this project was very successful. It was not only that the solution that we provided was 25% faster wow. than the solution they had in place beforehand, but at the same time, it has had also a significantly higher user acceptance. So for me, these two aspects are always very critical because on the one hand side, to make a technology innovation successful, the management has to be convinced of it. They need to see that it's faster, it's more reliable, it's more flexible, which it is. But at the same time, the people that are working with that solution day to day, they also have to be convinced that this is something that is for their benefit. Otherwise, things that may make sense from a financial point of view will not be successful as people will not adopt to it. But what we see is when we do pilots with our customers and they use our solution for a certain time frame, that the pickers will actually not want to go back to the old solution. Hmm. They, they will then say, tell their management, hey, hey, we don't want to go back. We want to continue using that. And that, that's the type of reaction that you really need in terms of the usability. So that was hugely successful. 
and therefore DHL decided to scale that out. So then the process of scaling that to various warehouses around the globe, also in the U.S., and that's really a great success story. And we, we enjoy working with them uh, as they're one of the technology leaders here. Yeah, and you have a, you have a great video on your site around that relationship with DHL. And yeah, you know, after that's one reason I contacted you after seeing it, I was like, how could you uh, you pick without something like that? <laughs> it just makes so much it makes things so much easier. You could just like step into the job and start being productive probably right away, or you just make your job a lot easier and faster. Um, Absolutely. And absolutely. And can you walk? So we're talking about the X Pick, which is you know like the augmented reality glasses for the warehouse where workers go around. Can you kind of describe how the product works, like from the the worker perspective? Like, what are they seeing? Like, you know, uh, as they walk through the warehouse, and how does it help them? And then I'm kind of curious more on the the back end. You know, do you have like reports and stuff for the companies, or how does that work? Um, but first, yeah, what's the kind of user perspective? How does it help them, and what are they seeing? What what we do is that we try to display only the information that is really relevant at this point in time to the worker. So what you really see is a very clean user interface, which doesn't in, have any unnecessary information. At the same time, the information that we display, we try to make it as intuitive as possible. So what we have done a lot is providing graphical guidance. So we will do shelf, um, we will present shelves on the user interface, a schema of the shelf or on the picking card, uh, or we might also show graphical pictures of the articles that, ne that they need to pick, because this is going to make it very intuitive mm -hmm. for them which article to pick and where to put it into. So if I stick with that DHL example, what they found is that their picking card was rather large and it had a lot of different boxes and, and so on. So for the picker, it was always very difficult to place the article into the right box. And they're doing multi-order picking, so they're picking more than one order at the same time. And that makes it just a little bit challenging. So what we did is we did a graphical representation of that picking card right on the smart glass. And that way, they have a very intuitive way of understanding where to place articles into. Mm. So when a worker starts out on this day, he would typically log on the smart glasses by scanning a login card. He can do that using the internal camera of the glasses. And then he would automatically start his picking process. So then he would see the next step, what, what to do. And uh, he would be sent to the position in the warehouse or where to get that article, put in a picking card, and that just continues in, in a loop until he has completed the order and he returns the card, and uh, then he can start over again. Our idea is always to make it very intuitive. And the question that he also had was about the backend system. So the solution that we have is a client-server solution. Our X server, which is in the backend, talks to the WMS system or the ERP system and gets the relevant data, the orders in that case, and uh, sends them to the right uh, smart glass. And uh, the server also takes care of the uh, device management and things like that. So in case a device uh, accidentally gets shut off or battery runs out or something like that, it can resume it with no problems. So this is the architecture that we have chosen. And you can see that we, we're not replacing 
an ERP system. So we're not aiming at being an ERP provider or WMS provider, but we rather enhance the functionality uh, by using these types of variables in their processes. So it might not only be the smart glass that people might be using, but they might also want to combine it with other types of wearables, smartwatches, um, small ring scanners, or things like that. So all these types of devices can be integrated with that solution, and you can use them as um, optional input methods. So you can use the smartwatch to input quantities, for example, or you can use the the, the scanner to, to scan some kind of codes. You could also use the internal camera of the smart class to do that. So we're quite flexible, and oftentimes what we do is we allow the user to choose himself in this very situation that he is in, what the optimal methods for input is. And we may not even foresee which it is, but we just offer the choice to the user to make it very intuitive and flexible for the people to work with the product. That's cool. And so with the, the back end, so when the, when they select an item, uh, then it uh, updates the RP system, which then updates essentially yeah. your server. Yeah, that's like, okay, interesting. And, uh, you, and, and I'm just curious, and if you don't want to share it, you don't have to, but uh, you know, it has, I mean, I can also see where this would really reduce training time and turnover. I, I mean, you probably don't have like a clear ROI, but I imagine it could be pretty good if w- once you have that data. You know, have you done any preliminary studies on kind of the potential ROI um, with your uh, with your product? I mean, this is something that typically our customers do themselves. Okay. okay. They, I can just point you to the figures for DHL. Yeah. Uh, when they did it on the first site, it was 25% faster. So, I mean, everybody that has a warehouse can then do the math and see, okay, if I, I'm 25% fast and I can do 25% more orders in, in the same time frame. For Samsung, it was like 22%. So the performance increase that we see is, is probably around that range, even though we've had customers that actually have much higher percentages even. When I was at um, customer side last week, we, we were just rolling out a project and the worker put the glasses on the first, for the first time, not trained, not, not, not anything. And on the first picking run that he did, he was already 15% faster no than, than with the normal process. <laughs> that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's why I said like... And I mean, that, that's going up over time now. I mean, that's that's just the beginning. Yeah, that, I mean, that's why I was saying that. I feel like I could just walk into a warehouse and within like 15 minutes start actually being fairly productive. <laughs> Maybe not that yeah. quick, but really that, quick. <laughs> and that's very interesting for companies that have, for example, over Christmas, a high demand yeah. for temporary workers. Because they, they can just bring them in and they are productive from this, let's say, the first hour onwards. They, they are productive. They can they can do it. And with temporary workers, you all also have the problems that if they're not so trained, you sometimes you may have quality issues with what they do. But as the solution is so intuitive, you, you don't necessarily have these problems when you use that solution. Oh, yeah, that's pretty brilliant. Oh. All right, so that's the X pick, but I know you have some other product lines. Do you, uh, can you uh, share what other areas you're working in as well? Oh, absolutely. So uh, the the positioning that we have is we are wearable computing experts, and in an industrial sense. So any company that plans to 
deploy wearables in their industrial processes, we're, we're probably the right company to talk to. And to do that, we have our wearable computing platform. That's core functionality like workflows, scanning code, doing voice recognition, and on all these things uh, that we, these are modules that we have ready to go to build solutions on. And this wearable computing platform also abstracts from the hardware layer. So we're not a hardware vendor, but we work with all the different hardware vendors that are out in that field. And we have very good relationships to the companies like Google, like Intel, like Musix, uh, Epson, Brother, Meta, Microsoft. So, so all these, these companies that have great devices out in the market, we have very intense uh, relationships with them to really make sure that we utilize these new devices to the maximum of extent. So our platform abstracts from that hardware layer and it allows us to do projects with different hardware um, in the same project. So companies can take a look and have a few different glasses and see what glass works best in their environment. We probably have some recommendation already and have a good guess on the ones that it will be, but the customers can actually see that in the early phases of the project and try it out themselves. And based on this platform, we have built our XPIC solution. But the XPIC solution is not only a standalone solution, but it is something that can be fully integrated with the whole solution suite that we have. And this solution suite integrates or includes, besides the XPIC, the XMake for the manufacturing, but also the XInspect for the maintenance processes. And by, by doing that, we see companies that start out in the logistics space and then actually say, okay, I'm, I'm doing logistics. I'm using the solution for sequencing of parts to a manufacturing line at, at a car manufacturer, for example. But now I know that I actually have the contract to do some manufacturing sub-steps. And I would actually like to do that. I'd like to support that with smart glasses as well, because it's very intuitive if you get the instructions on how to manufacture things on the smart glass. So they would want to do that. And in that sense, they would want to have an integrated solution because they what they would want to do is they would want to pick the parts from their warehouse then do the sub-manufacturing steps and then do the sequencing to the to the plant where the actual cars are made, being manufactured. So in that sense, our XPIC solution and our XMAKE solution are completely integrated. And that's something that is very unique on the market because we can really support processes end-to-end. We have the strong focus on the business problems. So we don't have an abstract platform that we sell and that Everybody has to try out themselves on how to actually use that. But we rather have pre-built solutions for the space where we believe it's very valuable. But at the same time, if you have additional things that you want to do, you can still develop that based on the platform. So it's a very comprehensive offering that, that we really have. Interesting. Okay. And what's one of your favorite glasses right now to work with? Favorite glasses? Uh, that's hard to say because right. <laughs> different. Yeah, it's I, I I cannot give you a favorite glass, but let let me just explain you why. The thing is, it depends very very much on the use case that you have, uh, what the right glass is. So there is glasses 
that allow you to get additional information displayed right in front of your eye and use that information in your processes, but it may not overlay your existing view. So that's usually glasses that are very lightweight, nice to wear, good to deploy in industrial processes, and uh, that, uh, that you can also already get maybe, let's say, 80% of the efficiency gains having without without really doing a full augmented reality uh, solution. And then there's devices that really overlay the whole field of view and allow you to do very impressive um, overlays like positioning elements in the middle of the room, walking around them. And But these are types of devices that are usually a little bit bigger. So then there may be other use cases. You may not want to wear these devices for the whole day, but they're very powerful. They can do a lot of things. And uh, for example, in maintenance processes, that might be very valuable as you really overlay the information right where you need to do certain things. And so in that sense, the, the, the smart glasses are, uh, they have different strengths. And so depending on the use case, you need to pick the smart glass that, that fits the use case. They also have different price points and so on. So they, in some cases, when you are talking more about a volume business, you may want to select the device that uh, has a very attractive value for money offering. So it's difficult to, to give you a, a recommendation for a smart class without no, knowing the exact that, that makes sense. And you have a lot of partners. You don't wanna, I understand. You don't want to play favorites either. But yeah, I can see where every situation is going to have a little different need. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna ask about what do you want to do? Uh, you know, what do you see in the next two, three, five years? Uh, what, you know, what, for let's say the X pick or one of the other ones, what would you want to add, or how do you how do you see improving it over time? I think we already have a pretty impressive feature set for the solutions that we have. I think what we will see over the next years is that. It, the devices, they, they will get smaller and smaller, and especially the devices that do the full overlays will get smaller. So I'm very much looking forward to, to seeing a few of the new devices out there in the field and be excited to work with them as they will allow us to do things that may not be possible today in terms of the full overlay. And that will require them to become a little bit smaller, a little bit more powerful, and also to increase the field of view a little bit more. And in that sense, then the acceptance of the users will be there to use these types of devices. We've already, and I mean, that's already two years back, you done a project with, with a certain device that does the full augmented reality vision picking uh, solution. So that's something that is actually doing some kind of navigation to the exact box, then the box is being highlighted mm. that you need to grab your stuff out of. Wow. And then the, it recognizes your hand as you grab into the box. So it does the confirmation that you actually picked the right box to, to grab the stuff out of, and then automatically switches to where you need to put it to because they, it recognizes, okay, you got the item, and then it, it points you to the picking card where you need to place it into it, then it recognizes you, you place it into the right right box of the picking card and takes you to the next step. And this is a process that is totally without explicit 
um, interactions for the user. And this is where we want to go. The, the vision is that the user very intuitively always gets the information he needs which are, without having to request it and that the system recognizes automatically what the user is doing and then triggers the right steps to take that forward. So this would then eliminate the need for manual scans, for voice confirmations, for things like that, because the system is just aware of what's going on. And this will be the direction that we will be working in. And this is something we will probably see three to five years down the road. We will have solutions. I mean, it's already working today. We have it in our um, office in Bremen. So you, you can come here and, and, and see it. But then we will need the devices to become a little bit smaller still. So people will be willing to wear these types of devices eight hours a day to really I see. continue working with that. So that's, that's so software-wise... Oh, we're still waiting for some of the uh, new developments. Wow. Yeah, that would be... I, okay, that makes sense. Um, but that sounds pretty smart. Uh, and so, I was curious, have you ever thought about adding, uh, and maybe this would just be corny, but like kind of a almost gamification uh, to at least uh, help with productivity and keep the worker entertained a little bit throughout the day? Once you have more of a full overlay, would you ever incorporate something like that, or is is that uh, would that be a bad idea? <laughs> I I think we it is something we we definitely thought about, and it's something that we will probably see in some kind, kinds of forms coming up. We already got a quote from a picker that I like very much, uh, and and he was saying this is the first time order picking actually is fun using oh. our solution. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So that's, that's the kind of quotes you, you want to get. <laughs> and I think we can improve on that going forward by including elements that actually entertain the users, keep them keep them focused on the things they, they want to do and make the job a little bit more interesting. If we find ways of doing that, we will certainly do that. We, we just need to make sure that it's it's accepted by the users. It's not uh, seen as some kind of, okay, they want to drive us to the next level here, but uh, we want to do things that are actually helpful for the users. Gotcha. Interesting. And All right, so we're almost out of time by a couple more questions. One was around the, your maintenance uh, product line. How, how does it work around uh, maintenance? Like, how does... Um, how does the glasses know that it's close, you know, to the maintenance item? Um, does it scan like a, a mm -hmm. QR code or how does it work? Yeah, I can, I can, I can touch on that quickly. Um, there's a million different ways of doing that. Let me just pick one example that may be very intuitive. So let's say you're called on site uh, and the, you, you know you have to replace a certain type of part. Or maybe you're even on site, but uh, the expert is not really there, but you still have to replace the card. But on site, you have the smart glass. So what you do, you put on the smart glass, then on the part itself that you need to replace, there might be some kind of code that you can scan. So you, you would be scanning the code, and this brings up the right workflow for doing the maintenance on that part and replacing the part. And this workflow may include 
textual information. It may include pictures. It may include videos. So you really, depending on how much information you need, you're taking step by step through the process, even though that's something you not normally wouldn't do every day. So even an untrained worker will be able to complete the right steps in the right order to do difficult repairs. And if the worker at some point in time does get stuck, which might happen or feels uncomfortable or something like that, he has always the possibility out of every step, call an expert so he gets remote support for the current work that he is doing. And that opens up a session and the glasses typically have a camera included in them. So you can broadcast the field of view of the worker on site to a remote expert. The remote expert will see exactly what the user on site sees and can do a voice chat, video chat with the worker on on that situation. It's possible to show an additional wiring diagrams or whatever pictorial information you want to show. It's possible to set markers on what he needs to do and point him directly to the steps uh, that he needs to complete. And this is what I mean about fully integrated. So we see companies that are doing also that you see what I see functionality, but for us, it's we, we feel it has to be integrated in a broader context, and that's that's what we did, bringing that type of functionality into already complex maintenance procedures, which people hopefully can complete on, on their own without having always two people taking a look at the same problem. So that's, that's what we do in the maintenance space. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I mean, you're, you've pulled together what lots of people have pictured what the future to be, but you've, you're actually uh, making it happen <laughs> in the here and now, which is... It's there. It's yeah, there. You can, you exactly. can go and use it. It's, it's a great solution. Exactly. And well, we have also an editor that allows you to tailor these workflows yourself. There's a defined format. You can import them if you have them in structured information. You get the information in there and just uh, load it to our server part. And then the classes can download the relevant workflows that they need. And, and they are available offline, so you can also use them offline. So there's a, And that's very helpful. Just think about doing maintenance on, on a wind park, offshore wind park. You're, you're out there, and you have to grab onto these things. You don't really have a hand to hold a handbook or an iPad or something like that. You want something that is in front of your eye without you having to, to carry or touch it. So you do voice control and all these things, doing your maintenance hands-free. That's that's what we aim for. Mm. Interesting. That's great. All right. And so the the last question I have for you is kind of more on the the future in general, because I'm pretty pumped to use AR more just in, in my general life. And so, you know, when do you think it'll uh, be more widely adopted by the general general public? If you had a guess. Or, are we talking, you know, like it'd be nice to be able to sit down on my couch and watch a movie in AR and have like a big screen in front of me. You know, the, you can do that with VR, but that's not very comfortable. You can't see your environment. Um, what do you, th- you know, where do you see the technology headed so that uh, it might become a little more mainstream if you had a guess? I, th- I think if we think five years down the road, it's probably more mainstream in the industry. So, we would probably think about five to seven years for the real end consumers. I think it will start out in the industry. I think it will be pretty much like 
what what BlackBerry did with the smartphones. So, I mean, the first smartphones were industry-focused devices, and then they somehow with the iPhone made their way over into our private life. So that's that's what I see as as a, as a driver. And in terms of the use cases, I think the first ones that we will see will most likely come out of the sports area, and and that's where people will start out using it. And then it will extend from there. And how? And I'm, oh, I was just curious. How, how are they going to use it with sports? Like, would the the football game be like right in front of you, or how would it? What? Uh, what were you just, just imagine you're cycling, and and then you have the navigation information oh, on yes. on where to cycle on yeah. on your on your smart glass, or your speed information, and you can take pictures and things like that. I mean, these these are things that are actually possible today already. But very few people do use it because the devices are not so commonly known. And I think if we see them in the industrial space more and more, people will get used to uh, that type of devices. At the same time, I know that there's company out there that have very working very hard to make the form factor even more attractive. So make them look like ordinary glasses. And, and I mean, nobody is... I wear glasses, so nobody is uh, somehow hesitant to put on their normal glasses. And if there's additional functionality in there and it's if it's not bulky, then I'm sure a lot of people will start using that. Yeah, definitely. I know I would. I, I wear glasses too. That's why I'm kind of excited for it because then, then everyone's going to start wearing glasses, <laughs> which should be kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> All and right. Eventually, we'll move into contact lenses yeah. and becoming. That's right. So then it'll just be in our that, brain. Yeah. Then it'll just be in our brain. There'll just be a brain interface. So then we won't wear contact lenses. But no. Um, so uh, no, I guess that uh, does it for us, unfortunately. But Percy, definitely really appreciate your time and your thoughts. And it's really cool where you're you're building. You're building the future, which is uh, always fun to hear about. So thanks for uh, coming on the show today. Thanks for letting me share my thoughts here. It was great to be here. Definitely. And uh, good luck with the stuff in the future. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Flyover Labs. As always, I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, Percy. Thanks, everyone.